It's green for go, they're racing. He says go, he says ta-da. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race, the rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat, a miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Yes, are we human or are we dancer? In any case, I'm coming out of my cage and I'm doing just fine. Jess Watkins, welcome. Hello, Paul. Some nice killer references there. Yeah, I've been to the killers overnight. I was going to intro you as she's got soul, but she's not a soldier. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you did (laughs) it. Who are the killers? I'm joking. I know who they are. I know who they are. Well, I've got to intro you, Freddie. Look. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got gas in the tank, he's got money in the bank, and I've got news for you, baby. You're looking at the man, Freddie Hastings. Jeez, I, Welcome. I, well, I, g'day, Paul. I don't know that song. All I know is I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. That's the only song. Oh, what's that one called? Um, yeah. All these things All that these I've things done. All these things that I have done, yeah. yeah. Which one of them was um, putting everyone into Electra on uh, Saturday night <laughs> as my horse to follow at yeah. $6. Yeah. I, I know what you're asking, guys. I know what you're asking. When there's nowhere else to run, is there room for one more son? I, yes. know, I know that's what you're asking. Well, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Because he doesn't look a thing like Jesus, but he talks like a gentleman that you imagine when you were young. <laughs> David Thorne, welcome. Thanks for having me. Good it's good to have you. Yes, I went to the Killers last night. I'm couldn't still buzzing. Have, we wouldn't have known. I'm still <laughs> buzzing. Hey, <laughs> Gee. It was, uh, it was sensational. Bangers after bangers, Jess. It was so good. You got your groove on? Yeah, yeah. Had a little boogie. Yeah. It's probably not, not seasonal. Like, it feels like the time you should be watching Mariah Carey doing All I Want for Christmas mm-hmm. or something like that. Michael, Michael Bublé. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the boobs. Michael but Bublé. it was outstanding, you know, fantastic. So I thought I'd throw in a few little uh, few little references there. Good to see it. Uh, good to see it went down like a lead balloon with you, Lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just took us by surprise. You were... You were uh, greeting us in in song lyric. I, I can mean, still. It was that loud. I can still hear it ringing in my ears. I think that's what it is. You know, and I'm still banging out. It was so good, so good. They're so. very popular, and everyone that I know that has seen them have said what an amazing act they are. So uh, yeah, I can see why you're buzzing, mate. Yeah. Yep, excellent show. Uh, really, really uh, feel really fortunate to have had the chance that go and see uh, one of my favourite bands in our own backyard. Hey, um, it's been a been a Pretty good week in racing, Jess. Uh, how you been going? Yeah, really good. It has been a massive week in racing. And like Freddie touched on, his Black Booker scored on Saturday night. Mine scored at Newcastle on Saturday night as well. So a bit of a shameless plug there too. Yeah, well, <laughs> that and more things to come. I think that's cool. a round of applause, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Jess. <laughs> the Black Bookers have been going really well. And if you go back through the, the, the entire you know, 14 episodes of the podcast – by oh, gee, between us, you know, and you throw in, you know, Brit uh, tipped us a, a horse to follow it, one yep. of massive odds uh, um, in Vic's son. Of course, we had Sophia Arvidsson. She pointed us towards a winner. Um, Jackson Painting, he pointed us to a winner on that very night that won at around $5. So if you follow the podcast and indeed the Black Bookers and Horses to follow, so no pressure, Thorny. I was just right? thinking that. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> but... It's been a bit of a fill-up for those that follow those yeah, horses. Yeah, be a good all-up. Be a mm. real good all-up. Mm. 
So, Thorny, thanks for coming along so we can celebrate our own success among the three of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're put all, yeah. all sorts of pressure on me. How you going, mate? It's great to have you on the show. Um, 14 episodes in and, um, you know, we've been blessed to have some great guests and, you know, thanks for being part of it. No, my pleasure. Yeah, um, didn't have to travel far, so uh, that was good and, uh, yeah, no, happy to be here. I saw you bring the car, though, so, you know, like you still managed to clock up some Ks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't like walking too <laughs> far. to put the, uh, the chit in for the uh, petrol expenses. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, but it has been a good week in racing. Um, it, it does feel like it's a, you know, it, it's a great time of year, though, Jess, isn't it? You know, you got that wind down. People seem to be a little bit more comfortable in their, you know, in their own skin at this time of year, and they're just relaxing and looking forward to the to the festive season. I love this time of year. It really is the best time of the year, and I mean, Mariah Carey's been getting <laughs> the hit on repeat from me. I do love a bit of "All I Want for Christmas Is You," but no, it's great to see everyone wind down. Of course. The racing doesn't stop. We've still got an action-packed um, carnival coming up across the state, which is exciting. But, yeah, it's good to see everyone enjoy the festive period. Freddie, you got your Santa wish list done up? Yeah, I have, and I've been good, so I'm told. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll wait and see what uh, I get delivered on Christmas Day. Thorny, what gets put out for the reindeers and, and Santa at your place? A little bit of carrot, a little bit of, little bit of water or milk concoction, maybe a beer? Yeah, no, well, I'm not a beer drinker, but... Um no, our kids are sort of a little bit older now too, so it's it's fairly quiet at our place. But did you hear about the doctor that come out and said he's encouraging families to leave water and celery out for Santa as opposed to milk and cookies because it's promoting an unhealthy lifestyle? <laughs> and I am serious, a doctor what a in Australia up. actually come out and said leave celery. <laughs> if if I was left celery and water, I think I'd. Uh, very politely declined. On the Absolute naughty list. G-up. The kids would be on the naughty list. And they want to have a skinny Santa next year. Like, yeah, that's right. Just won't look the same. No, no, no. Won't be the same at all. All right. Well, it has been. That leads us into what was a, a pretty good pretty good night of racing here, Jess, on Saturday night uh, here at Menangle, highlighted by the Christmas gift, uh, Seton Grimer. Two winners. And uh, thank you very much. Got the Christmas gift. That was he- name. He did his first Group 3 victory for Seaton. I think it was only his second drive in a Group 3 race as well. And him and Joe have had a really exciting season together. They have quite a few Metropolitan horses in their team. So it was nice to see them rewarded with the Christmas gift. And Loyalist, I think he's a horse with a very bright future. A former Jess Watkins Black Booker. One by he a was. nose. <laughs> replicated its win in the heat right down the outside to win it by a nose. And that you mentioned Seaton's Group 3. That was his first Metro double too, as I understand. So well done to Seaton. Haven't we seen some different names? I, I know that we've talked about it in the show over the last month or so. While the Inner Dominion's on, it's giving opportunities and, you know, and different people are getting the chance to drive here at headquarters. But we, it, like, genuinely we're seeing different names pop up with these Bunch of winners, you know, Metro winners, aren't we, Fred? Yeah, over the last, yeah, probably five, six weeks. And you even go back to when, you know, we had, uh, you know, Jackson painting up here, driving, and, uh, you know, I know that was at the tail end of the carnival, but he was here through circumstance with the floods uh, down uh, down his way. But, but yeah, we've seen a a whole heap of different drivers lob, and... um, Many from the the country. Uh, that there was a race on Saturday. Isabel Ross went close to, to grabbing a victory. Um, so yeah, it's really the love's really being shared around at the moment in the uh, in in the ranks uh, here at Menangle, particularly on a Saturday. Has it been challenging, Thorny, with the the leading guys being unavailable, or or have you looked at it more as a, an opportunity as a trainer? Yeah, it probably hasn't worried me as much. I to be fair, I haven't got a lot racing at the moment. A lot of mine are in the paddock or just working back up. So. Um, 
I went to Melbourne for the Breeders' Crown for a couple of weeks and sort of turned a few out. So, yeah, I haven't had a lot racing, but I think it does give the others an opportunity, you know, um, just especially driving Saturday nights. I mean, when I was a kid driving, you know, we always used to want to drive back then Harold Park Friday nights. So for these young ones to get a chance, you know, and then it's up to them if they do a job, a lot of the trainers will keep them on, you know, if, if they win on the horse, it's hard to take them off. So... Um, yeah, it gives a few more opportunities and a few of the leading drivers have been suspended or in Melbourne. And so, yeah, that's why you've probably seen a lot more winners lately. And as a trainer, have you, have you constantly got to be looking for the new, I guess the new kid on the block for want of a better term, just, you know, a contingency plan, I guess, if things... Or a claim. Or drive, yeah, yeah exactly. for sh- for definitely, for sure. I mean, um, obviously, probably Jack's my number one driver, but he, he trains so many of his own, so you can't get him, so... Um, you know, at the end of the day, it costs the same to put the good driver on as a bad driver. So you really, for your own business, you've got to put as good a driver as you can, you know, whether it's a, an open driver, a five claim or a three claim or whatever it is. I mean, um, you know, a lot of us are mates and all the rest, but you've got to put the driver on you think will suit that horse as well. You know, some horses don't suit some drivers and vice versa, you know, like um, even say someone like Cameron Hart, who's a great driver, I think... He was a little bit one-dimensional at one stage. He's very aggressive and he can get him to run and wins a lot of races doing it. But I think a horse like Majestic Cruise has really helped his driving because you can't drive him like that. So if he drives him hard, he's not going to get a result. So it's actually even taught someone like Cam to be more patient. And I think you're seeing that with his inner dominion and mm. you know all what he's done with Majestic Cruiser. So we, we had Cam sitting where you are last week, and we talked a little bit about the business of racing. You know, he as a freelance driver, he's got to, you know, do everything else on top of being a driver and do his homework for what he's about to embark on on the track. Um, and, and we talked about how he goes about getting approached. Now, if we flip that from a trainer's perspective, how are you going about making those advances to drivers and saying, look, I've got this coming up? Well, how, how do you plan that and, and make that happen? Yeah, well, it is a bit tricky. I mean, probably the main one I do that with is Jack because obviously, like, say, with Antonio or Chicago Gangster, them horses, the owners want him driving them. And I'll, I'll just sort of set out to, you know, have you got anything else? You know, obviously when Stylish Memphis come, I had Antonia and I understood that he had to drive it. Mm-hmm. So we worked around him as much as we could, you know, like as soon – I mean, even Breeders' Challenge, he got suspended. So he was going to try and get a stay and hopefully – be able to drive every time but he said I just can't take the risk not to be able to drive in the final so I think Luke Luke drove in the sem- one of the heats and the semis and and then he got back on the final so yeah you, you have I mean look the, the average horses that are just going around in a normal race probably doesn't matter that much mm. but when you're talking hundred two hundred thousand dollar races you've got to plan for it a little bit you know and, you, and you've got to hope they don't get suspended or you know as I said if they get another drive you know so um, but the way I look at it is if my horse is the best horse in the race, they're going to want to drive it. So, and if they're not wanting to drive it, it probably can't beat the other one anyway. So, it's it's a lot of give and take with trainers and drivers. You know, a lot of trainers get dirty when a driver gets off their horse, but it's a business for them as well. You know, like they've got to make money, we've got to make money. So, um, yeah, it's it's to and fro between the trainer and the driver and the owner as well. But you've got a good little pool of drivers. You, you mentioned Jack, but also Blake jumps on your horses. Jimmy jump, Jimmy Douglas jumps on your horses. I mean, you've got a, you know, a nice little pool of drivers that are willing to drive your horses when required. So it, it's obviously handy to have that. Oh, for sure it is. You know, and like even today I've got yeah Charlie and Jack drives her, but um, 
he's suspended at the moment, but he couldn't last week. He had his own horse, mm. so Chris Geary's driving it. So, and, and they understand, you know, like if Jack's back next week, he'll be back yeah. on her because yeah. it's his drive, and they understand that because that happens to them it the other works. way around, yeah. you know, yeah. like Jack might fill in for one of them, you know, so they, they all work in, you know, no, no one really, the top drivers don't get worried about it because if you worry about that, mm. <laughs> you'll be cranky all the time, you know, so they just drive what they can and move on. Well, you mentioned Jack Trainer. Jesse had another double here at Menangle on Saturday night. He did. He had a very good night and he won with Brados Lad and Punt Away then in the last and both of those horses have actually been transferred to him from David Kennedy's stable and they were very impressive, both of their wins. So a good night for Jack. <laughs> we remember we had Jackson Painting here and he, he lamented on his misfortune about being scrubbed out when mm. those horses, some, yeah. I think it was Punaway won. Yeah, they how's got a double that looking, night as well. How would he have been <laughs> sitting there tuning in on Saturday night? <laughs> yeah, I think he would have been wishing he was back up at Menangle again, but oh, no. Actually, actually, he actually would have got three winners because the one Jared won with was Delightful as well. Angel. So yes, actually, three well. winners. Yeah, so he should have made yeah. the trip up. Yeah, feel for you, Jacko. Um, you know, one of our one of our great guests that we've had on the show, um, Jack Trainer as well. He, he won the last at Menangle last Tuesday, Freddie. Now I know on the show last week you were excited about the, those two Lucky Lodge horses that are about mm. to go around um, on the last two races. We saw um, I'm, Bill, I'm Bill's last win but then wave the bill was tomato sauce odds and then just didn't want to go shortest priced horse of the day or favorite of the day and dare just uh, skipped about and danced about and it's not often you see jack trainer land a winner at 30 dollars. and uh his horse was able to win the last of those big juicy odds but uh, uh of course wave the bill goes around uh, on tuesday at menangle and uh i hopefully uh, comes with uh, better manners than it had last Tuesday. Felt for Robbie. Like, you just see, he just looks so frustrated sitting there just trying to get control away for Bill. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, he just didn't want to participate at all, did he, Fred? But yeah. hopefully I'm sure they'll have him back right today and I've no doubt he'll be short And he's short again, again, yeah, he's yeah. short again yeah. today. But yeah. uh, I, I guess with what he's produced in his two wins so far prior to last Tuesday, uh, he's entitled to be short at his best. They've kind of caught the attention of, of us, Thorny, like going around hobble free. Those two. Yeah, they have. Yeah, he's um, he's well, actually, Robbie did it with a good horse years ago. He ended up losing it. It got claimed, but over and over, he was yeah. probably one of the first ones that they raced with it. And um, so, actually, Robbie worked that horse with me one day when he just got it over from New Zealand, waved the bill, and it, it got pulling and and worked probably quicker than he wanted to. But he goes, if it didn't gallop then, like he said, I might try it without the hobbles, you know. And that is always the worry, you know, especially if they get into a little bit of a habit, you know. Um, I don't think I could be taking the short odds today till I see him do it again. Mm. But the problem is you can't – once they gallop, they're hard to get back in. If they're Especially if they get a bit keen and they're pulling, you need them to relax to get back into that gate. But um, whereas at least with the hobbles, you can sort of chase them into their gear a little bit. So um, I mean, he's a very good horse, what he's done, you know, his first two starts – but I actually said to Robbie the next day, are you going to put the hobbles back on him or leave him off? He goes, well, I had a sleepless night thinking about it. Um, he said, I'm just worried, will he go as quick with the hobbles on? I said, oh, well, time will tell. But What would you do? Um, I mean, I'd probably hobble him with the hobbles on and see if he works as good or whatever, you know. I mean, I said, you can maybe give him one more chance. Today and then, but I think if it's uh, if he gallops again today, it'll be the hobbles will be back on. They're a stable that are not averse to trying 
to race them three-legged. Yeah. I've I brought it up last week or the week before that they often send horses around Lucky Lodge without hopples, and it goes back to the days. I remember, as I said uh, in a previous podcast, uh, Peter had a horse called Tandine at Harold Park in the 80s that uh, it was quite rare at that in that era to see them go three-legged in the 80s, and it did, and it had good success. So it's And you mentioned over and over, there's been others, and... Um, I noticed one of Joe Connolly's went around the other day. Uh, Art Tudor. Art Tudor, Art Tudor. Yeah. So, it, so it seems to be some, some trainers are trying it. It's not something your horses, you feel, would be suited I, I tried it. I had a horse sweep out of prey years ago, and he was he could work anything without the hobbles on. And I took him to the bull-eye trials, so you'd think if yeah. he was going to gallop. I, I gunned him out of the gate because I thought I'd rather him gallop now than go to mm. the races. So I, I gunned him out of the gate. He never did anything wrong. I thought, oh, he's never going to gallop. First scoring up, he just galloped. Well, that'll do me. I can't believe That's it. Back to the hole. Yeah, I, like it just, it, I couldn't believe he'd gallop, yeah, you know. But yeah. the biggest thing with him is, like that horse waved the bill too. I, I mean, he galloped for no reason last week. But mm. it's when they get into it, like you can't always drive him like he's been driving him where he's just got to sit out, virtually stay out of trouble, go to the front. It's when they get up in grade and you've got to be able to sit them in, grab mm-hmm. hold of them. If they can cop a bit of a check, because you're going to get a check in a race if someone mm. hangs in on top of you or something, whether they can still keep pacing keep through balanced. that. See, that yeah. um, on Bill's last, he's sort of pretty good at can handle that sort of stuff. So. But he was a bit, a little bit early on. Early yeah. on it's confidence with the horses, yeah, yeah. like everything else. They get getting comfortable. Used to it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, time will tell. You know, um, they obviously want to leave the hobbles off him. If they can, mm. they think mm. he'll go better with them. But it'll be, as I said, if he does does anything wrong, I'd say they'll be back on shortly. Yeah, well, it, it was one and one for Robbie there on 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 Tuesday. Just yeah. gone, just quite, so when when that horse went well on the trial and then and then galloped in the in the race. So what sound does a horse make when it laughs at you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I wasn't real happy. And then um, to make it worse, the stewards made me trial it again. With the hobbles on. <laughs> I said he's never done anything wrong without the hobbles, so it was just Beautiful. A, I'll tell you outrageous. what didn't go much wrong yesterday was for Brad Hewitt at Goulburn. He had a, he had a double there, Jess. Yeah, uh, Rock on Rower, who was on debut there, that was a very impressive win. win. Had to make a mid-race route, move around to the chair and then coming around that final turn, went off balance, it galloped, managed to get back down and still proved too strong. So I thought it was gone I was about, you know, like, because I was about to call it going to the lead and then... It galloped, yep. and I thought, well, it's, it's out of play. And there was a horse, I think the favourite was sweeping around the outside. But once yep. it balanced up, gee, it went good. Looked a good day you. there yesterday, Freddie. <laughs> it was a good day. They had a good crowd. It was uh, essentially their Christmas uh, you know, Christmas race day, the last of the uh, the year, and uh, they had a good crowd. And the racing was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, plenty of uh, good performances on the track, some close finishes, and, uh, yeah, very enjoyable afternoon. How about Lucas Rando, eh? Penrith on yeah. Thursday night, bang, 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 three in a row. Three in a row. Lucas is having a really great season. I know, Fred, you're one of his biggest fans yeah. out there. He presents himself so well. He speaks so well. And on the track, he's really starting to hit his straps as a confidence, driver as Jess. well. It's all about his confidence. Mm-hmm. He was very, very low on confidence when he came into driving. Um, he wasn't getting any well, very little success. Some, and he's found a home working with uh, the Fitzpatrick camp and he's, his dad had a couple of decent horses, that sea story, and a, he won a heat and final at Penrith. And just little things like that, the kid's confidence has just turned around and uh, he's doing really well. I'm really pleased for him. He, he did, he, he had a really good win. I thought it was a really commanding and authoritative drive on a dollar twenty favourite. Mm. And, then he, and then he came around and, what, $25, $26 yeah, shot then. So, you know, be able to, and that was a swooper as well. So to be able to, 
you know, have contrasting drives on, you know, on certainly horses that were at, at opposite ends of the market, Jess. Yeah, it's a good sign, isn't it? Yeah, if, if you can do it on the short price favourites, if you can do it on the long shots, but probably the short price favourites is the most impressive because they're the ones you do want to see get home. You've still got to get the job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No you, Lucas, on any of yours? Uh, no, he hasn't driven for me, but, um, yeah, no, he's, he's a really good kid. Um, you know, as I said, he started out, he was very quiet, and um, but he's a very smart kid, does the form a lot, you know. Uh, he's very good on the form and... Um, you know, uh, I mean, he could have been anything in the field. He's, at school, he was top marks at everything. So, you know, and that, that all comes back on to harness racing when you, you know, if you're smart in real life, you know, you need to be smart on the track. So, um, no, he's getting his confidence up and, he, and he's driving good. And, and Paul and Gavin are giving him a real good chance now, you know. Um, I said Gavin going down to Melbourne for the Inter-Dominion for a few weeks, like Sean drove a heap of winners and, and Lucas as well. So it was good for them kids. They work hard and... Um, you know, they're getting the rewards they deserve. Speaking of blokes who are getting winners, Cameron Hart here. Same car, Jess. Double again for Cam. Yeah, that's just standard for Cam now, isn't it? You you expect him to get multiple winners on the card. Um, amazing. And then what they did on Saturday night as well. Yeah, well, we didn't see him here at Menangle Saturday night because they were down in Cram when the, they went, the, the dynamic duo teamed up again. Another group one for uh, Cameron and Jason Grimson. Well done, guys, with Major Meister. They, they came out then and won the last with Celebrating. Uh, they're a formidable combination, Fred. Oh, they're achieving on the track, as the, the race caller uh, Luke Humphrey said in the call, the Sydney boys have done it again, and that's exactly uh, what they did. Um, it was funny, we had Cam on last week, and he was very, very bullish about the chances of uh, of Major Meister and thought he'd run a big race, and he didn't let the camp down. But, uh, yeah, Cam just doing Cam things. Another Group 1. Grimo, another Group 1. That's sort of, you know... What, what's next? Reminded me of the great, the great Queenslander, Gilmeister. <laughs> Trevor Gilmeister. That's what it reminded <laughs> me of. Yeah, the, the axe. axe. The axe. Yeah. Wasn't, he, wasn't he a good player? Uh, but they, they've Played turned... for the Roosters at some stage, Yes, too. yes, yes. <laughs> then he saw the light and went to the Broncos. Yeah, good on you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't he go to the South Queensland Crushes in between? Oh, I remember then. Yeah. I think oh. it sadded Mario Phoenix. What, <laughs> yeah. what happened to the Crushes? Um, yeah, they're, they're a serious team, aren't they, Thorny? Yeah, they are. You know, he's doing a great job, Grimo, mm. especially... I think he's only got six or seven horses in work mm. down there, so he's got none up here at the moment. So, um, and and that's probably better for him. You know, he's very hands on with his horses. You know, he's a very good horseman. I've seen him ride horses around the just jump on their back without a bridle or anything on. He just up from the paddock jumps yeah. on their back. I said, wow. "You're a lunatic," but <laughs> he's just got that way with him, you know. And um, he's very strong. And um, but as I said, only working six or seven horses, he can spend the time with them and. Um, you know, he might not come home. I think he's staying down there till the Hunter Cup, so I'm sure he'll be back for the Miracle Mile. But we'll, um, we'll try yeah, get, no, he's doing an awesome job. We'll try and get Grimo on the show at some point in the new year. I think um, be be great to hear his story. Uh, Josh Gallagher, we, we've I don't think there's a more informed driver in this state than Josh Gallagher because he is getting winners in bulk. Jess, he like, is, he's doing he's it. He's making in Newcastle his home. It's it's definitely Josh's home up there. Four winners, four winners, and I think that's. The third week in yep. a row that he's managed to do that. Incredible effort from Josh there. He does the miles. He works hard over there at Lucky Lodge, so he deserves all the success. And, of course, he was one of our guests on the Sprint Lane just only a few weeks yeah. ago as well, and the success keeps rolling on. Yeah. Now, a quirk of the programming, obviously, Newcastle and Menangle were on at the same time, and, you know, that, that creates challenges for, for stables, obviously. Lucky Lodge said, obviously, to Josh, well, 
you know, why fix what's not broken here? Like, yeah, we'll send you to handy, Newcastle. Uh, a pretty handy fix, isn't it? Yeah, you know, send you to Joe Newcastle because you are owning that track. Yeah, my word. Yeah. I mean, he, he's on fire, Josh, uh, and, you know, and a good kid and, and um, you know, can't grudge him any of the success that he's having. That he's having. Uh, so, well done. Uh, Blake Jones, he got a double at Leeton on Friday night. Now, one of those was for his lovely partner, Ellen, or his better half or whatever we want to want to. Call of it, certainly the better half. I think he's the way we'll position that one. Uh, and then Ellen came out and drove the winner of the last at Leeton. So they're a good little team down there too, aren't they, Thorny? Yeah, they are. They're going really good. Um, you know, they're both good people and work hard. And you know, Blake's been coming up here a fair bit lately too, so um, driving the odd winner here. So, no, they're um, – I don't know how many horses they work, but they um, seem to do pretty good success. Speaking of Blake's, Blake Hughes, he's a name that does really well up there at the, the Hunter region. He had three winners at Tamworth on Thursday. Now, the mayor of Tamworth track is Tom Ison. He just uh, dominates there. He is he is doing – when he goes to Tamworth, he's like Josh Gallagher going to Newcastle, <laughs> I think, over, particularly in 2022. He had three winners on that same program at, at Tamworth as well. So – yeah, between those two exceptional young talents, Blake Hughes and Tom Ison, there's six winners right there uh, for you. Um, another name that does so well on you know, on his home patch is Bernie Hewitt, and he had a training double to start Wednesday's Bathurst program, Freddie. So, um, you know, if it's not the Hewitts, if it's not the Turnbulls, it's probably the Hewitts at Bathurst, I guess. It's a bit like that, isn't yeah. it? It's it's a tough uh, tough club to break, although. Uh, Arthur Clancy yes. managed managed to uh, get on the board there, which is no mean feat, and at uh, massive odds, no less. $51, Jess. A very nice winner if you managed to find it. It was a great drive by Arthur, and I know we've spoken about him on the podcast a few times, and it again, it just shows how good our sport is. No matter how young, how old, mm. everyone can enjoy harness racing and just love their horses. Speaking of young drivers, Thorny, have you got your eye on this young man, Arthur Clancy? As a yeah. <laughs> he can actually get it. He, he, he doesn't win that many races, but when they win, they win at big odds. So I don't know whether it's a setup or not, but he, uh, they always seem to win at big odds. Well, so uh, well, he might be having a little sneaky bet. Well done, Arthur. $51 with Rosie Juliana there at Bathurst. Uh, Kelly Munro, she had a winner. Just her second for the year, just her ninth for her career. Love mentioning these names that people who, as we've said before, one person's inner dominion is another person's, you know, second career winner, at, you know, on a, on a Wednesday night at Bathurst. Well done, Kelly. Great to see. Um, other one who just cleans up for fun in that Western region is Nathan Turnbull. He, I was at Dubbo on uh, Friday night for their Carnival Cups program. He cleaned up four winners there. He was in uh, peak form. He just turned up and... Uh, you know, there wasn't a huge crowd there, but I think everyone was paying attention to whatever Nathan Turnbull was doing for it. And had a winner yesterday at Goulburn yep. uh, on a shorty. So, uh, yeah, he's just had a phenomenal season. Well, look, we, we said that in the Western region, if it's not the Turnbulls, it might be the Hewitts. Well, Steve Turnbull won the feature. He won the Red Oak at Phillies and Mares Classic with Maura Dawn, but it was a young driver, a name that we don't mention a great deal, but he's a great talent and... And I could hear people in the crowd saying, he's a good young driver. Well, I'm really happy for him. It was Justin Reynolds. So he managed to win a, win a Carnival of Cups feature there. Well done, Justin. Um, I, I love seeing these young kids come through and, and, and achieve these these milestones, particularly in it. And there were all the, the luminaries of our, West, of our sport in the Western region were there on Friday night, Jess. 
Yeah, that was it was a great win and a great drive. And I think he'd struggle to find a better overall race. It was tactics galore, that red ochre. Things were making moves everywhere. Justin was probably one of the only drivers that didn't get engaged in a speed battle and it paid dividends at him at, for him in the end. So well done to him. Patience personified. The one I was keeping an eye on there was Splash of Crimson, and that's the one that we've talked about mm. a few times that did some absolute space Big jobs. Margins, yeah. We ran at $101. I could not believe, you know, based on what we'd seen, mm. you know, um, most of the locals were saying, no, no, it's, the local horse is going to be hard to beat here. I think that's a bit of jingoism. Um, kick it in as well but you know Isabel Ross did a great job there with Amanda's uh, obviously Amanda was was down in Victoria driving in the in the group one down there with Bundoran so but one thing to mention with Myra Dawn that's the fifth stop on the Carnival Cups program Myra Dawn's won two of them so also uh, also won at West Wyalong and did go around didn't race in the feature at Yagawa but went around on that same program so I think that's fantastic that we, we've got people following the circuit round for the Carnival of Cups and, you know, for a horse to win two of them, it's great, Jess. It's a fantastic effort and I know we've spoken about her when she's raced here at Menangle before on the show and she's only pint size but she knows how to get that job done. She's a little trier, so well heart, done yeah. to heart. all the connections. What's your thoughts on the, the Carnival of Cups concept, Thorny? I, I know that something that we've talked about is is, the op- is there the opportunity for some kind of incentive for horses to be able to move around the circuit and accrue like points or something like that and you know, like would, would as a trainer would you entertain that idea to to try and uh, take on some of those carnival cups oh for events? sure definitely um i know in, in melbourne they have a i only was reading it the other day their carnival cups i think majestioso and that were go like with their trotters races where there's a bonus at the end of it you know and um and and the way to really get it to get the good horses to go is to put the bonus on for the trainer because they're the ones that have got to take the they've horse. Got to drive, yeah. yeah. You know, like um, the the drivers, the, uh, the, the if the horse wants to, like if the owners want the horse to go, they'll take it. But um, and the drivers go if the horse if they think it can win. But um, as I said, if the if the trainers are going to get an incentive out of it, um, that's when you'll find if a, if a if a trainer trains a horse that's a good horse that he doesn't own, so that he doesn't really get that much money out of it. If he can see a light at the end of the tunnel where, well. If I win these, if I get the most points and I get ten thousand or something, mm. they will say, "Well, it's worth having That's a crack." A you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was great, to, great to see so many of our of our leading trainers and, and drivers from that western region there at Dubbo on Friday night. All right, fancy harness racing, Freddie. I know you're loving it. How's your team going? If if we were playing already, I'd I'd be on <laughs> huge points. Let me just tell you, <laughs> and I've got a tip for everyone. I've done a. Jess and I have had a bit of banter about this. <laughs> this is going to be the black it's book is be all on, over yeah, again. Yeah, we're going we're to punch on after the show. But, and she'll knock me out too. <laughs> yeah, Don't take on a girl from Bankstown. <laughs> she's dressed in the all black. I mean, in all sorts. But no, when you're picking your team, just be mindful, especially if you're looking at the metro area, okay? Look at the drivers that are not averse to travelling to the Hunter or to the Western area or even to the Riverina. And in that, I, I include Rob Morris, Josh Gallagher, Will Rickson, uh, Jack Brown's been getting around to some of these other meetings as well. Some of them are a really good good value in terms of their 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 market value in the uh, in the game. Uh, remembering you've got a one point four million dollar, uh, sorry, a fourteen point four million dollar salary cap. Just look at some of those drivers that can gain you some maximum points um, when they travel away. Because realistically, six race meetings, Jess. Three of them are set down in the metro, so you've got your, you generally have your Cam Hart's, your Rob Morris's, your Josh Gallagher's driving at those, but then you've got your Josh and your Rob's, even Cam, Will, Jack, 
they'll happily travel to Newcastle, which will be the Hunter, or to the uh, Bathurst meeting in the Western, and all of a sudden they could be earning you more points than some of the drivers who are based in those areas. It, and Josh, sorry, and Josh was a case in point with four winners on, on Saturday. Yeah, Josh is a perfect example there. I think he had a few other placings on that Newcastle card mm. as well. So those points would have just kept racking up yep. for the night. You definitely have to consider the ones that will travel. I've gone with a bit of a different theory though and I've tried planning ahead for the Carnival of Miracles to see who I can try and snare with those group ones and at this point I can't go past Luke McCarthy and Jack Trainer in my team. Yeah. What about Thorny turned up, didn't know much about it, 10 minutes later he's hooked, we explained uh, it to yeah. him, he's in. Fred's just give all his opposition the <laughs> heads up. Yeah, but, but I'm here to help, it's, yeah. this is a helping hand, yes. so, but but yeah, I, I, you know, I just think that's the way to look at it, you got to, and there's a lot of strategy and we've been you know, yeah. talking off air you know, before we went on air with this podcast, uh, Thorny and I, so some of the, the, the people that are going to travel, um, and, and then you've got some from the, the areas that are outside of the metro that do come to the metro. People like Nathan Turnbull, who's not scared to travel horses, Isabel Ross, uh, Dougie Hewitt's been driving here in the Riverina. Uh, Jack Painting is quite happy to come here. We're seeing Jimmy Locke emerge and Taylor Osmond emerge. So I think, you know, there's a bit of a cross-pollination there and I'm happy to help uh, where I can. And <laughs> Jess, on the other hand, she's keeping the cards close to her chest, Thorny. <laughs> yeah, she just right. wants to beat me. Yeah, that's exactly right. Have we got a sprint lane league going, Paul? We because will. The so what we're going to do... The are really yeah, big, aren't they? Tell yeah, us about so the what we'll do. Yeah, so what, one of the great things about it is you can go in and, you c- and create a league. So when you go in, you'll see a couple of tabs on the, on the platform. Uh, you'll see... Uh, I'm just getting it in front of me now. So you've got my, up the top, you'll see my team... And leagues. Now, if you click on leagues, you'll be able to join a league that's already set up. And there's a lot there. I, I can see a lot of people have already gone in and created leagues, which is really encouraging because what that means is people are going to go out and you know, get other people to join their league. Uh, but there's a couple of ways you could do it. You could have one big league and it could be just whoever finishes on top. Or you could have, say, a, a league of 16 and you... You know, I play Thorny while Fred's playing Jess and then I play Jess the next week and Fred, you play Thorny and, you know, and it's this head-to-head, so my team versus yours and then it becomes this real, you know, like a battle yeah, each week sure. and, 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 and then you'll have your leaderboard and at the end of the year, the last three weeks of the season are finals, end up being in a grand final. You know, how good's that? You get to win a grand final in harness <laughs> racing, you know? Like we, we can all have our, our own Cameron Hart, Jason Grimson moment, you know, in the, in the, in the virtual reality world. But, um, look, I... It's been really encouraging. Like the numbers have been amazing so far in the you know in the first sort of six to ten hours of the game launching uh, was really good, really strong numbers, and it's continued to grow. So I encourage people to get on to fantasy harness racing. I I hear your strategy, but we've got a fantasy harness racing podcast that myself and Brett Skelly, head of racing, and um, Tom Swiderski, who's the manager over at Bankstown, have been doing, and we we threw up a couple of scenarios on the podcast during the week. Like, given that, as we've said, the, the typical race program obviously takes its heavy on Metro, but one of them's Penrith. And I think you can ignore Penrith at your own peril. Now, what we see at Penrith, as you know, Fred, you call it, we see a lot of different drivers win at Penrith. Almost become like Penrith specialists. So, yeah, you're, um, we saw with Lucas, Lucas on, yep. on, on Thursday night. And to me, maybe that's where advantage can be gained, you know, around... Uh, you know, Lucas, like Seaton Grimer's the name we mentioned earlier in the show, but he drives a lot there. Um, Sean Grayling. Um, you Hannah know, Rickson's Jack another Brown. one. Hannah Rickson. Will Rickson has yeah. been very open talking about Penrith being his favourite track to drive at. So he goes there a lot. So 
Maybe that's where some real gain is to and be he's made. he's in my team too. Yes. So is Lucas. Lucas is in mine as you know, well. I, I can see Jack Brown in your team Jack there. Brown. You know, Jack he's Brown's another too. bloke. Yeah. yeah. Who, You've been so, copying. Oh, no. So maybe that's where... You know, like ignore that track at your at your peril. I think yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, but then another another thing to take into account is we've talked about the the bonus points. So a group one's worth triple points, and obviously the the Riverina Championships at Easter time yeah. and the Newcastle Mile are worth triple points as well. Uh, group two, group two's worth double points, and a Carnival of Cups features worth double points. Now in week one, mm. the Tamora Cups on. So there's a chance to get double points on the Tamora Cup in week one, which is obviously a River Arena heavy. Mm. You know, you'll get Western drivers. So, so strategically, do you, do you go after that double point score? Now, not forgetting that, yes, there's a, there's a prize pool that runs 10 deep at the end of the year, which includes a car for first prize and some great holiday experiences around the Eureka and Harvey Norman packages and, and that. But... If the car seems out of reach, we'll go after the weekly price. Two hundred weekly a two hundred and fifty dollar Harvey Norman voucher every week if you can get the highest score. So do you go after the Tamora Cup and try and nail that and get the double points that are points that no one else is going to get? So we saw Justin Reynolds the other night. If that was a race in play, the the, the Red Ochre at Dubbo, he would have got twenty points for that win. Yeah. The other night. Now Nathan Turnbull won four races. He had to win two races to get the same as what Justin Reynolds got on that. So Strategically, I'm fascinated how people play this because, the, as we know, the $14.4 million is challenging to get <laughs> to, to get your team you know, that you want. So you need to work out what's the best combination, ultimately, to get to the biggest point score. And I've said it a couple of times in different platforms. It's around really trying to find people that almost crack the code on the pricing that we've set. You know, yeah. People who can outscore their price. Is yeah. really what you're looking for. Um, I think with Penrith, probably because it's probably a leader dominant track, you'll find a lot of the young kids win at Penrith because they're getting a claim. Mm. So people will put that, oh, that horse might draw five or six. If I put a junior on, I'll draw one. So you'll, that's why you'll find like the Lucas Randos and yep. Seton Grimer and all that are winning a lot of them races at Penrith because it's leader dominated. So yep. yep. you've probably got to look for that in your. Penrith. Yeah, that's what I mean. Ignore, sort of ignore track. that you track. Tamworth would be the same. Yep. You know, like um, where leading's such a big advantage. We're not so much here, you know. Yep. yep, yep. So, yeah, strategically, I'm fascinated how people play it. But we're having fun, aren't we? Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a great concept. And, and, you know, hats off to you and, and the board and, and the executive for, you know, supporting it because it's it's creating a lot of a lot of chit-chat, a lot of discussion. Uh, I... I Worked yesterday at Goulburn and Mark Olmus, uh, who was hosting on Sky, brought it up and it's just a really exciting concept. So fantasyharnessracing.com, make sure you get on and register. It kicks off officially on January 10, but you've got what, what a few weeks over Christmas. So if you're having some time off over Christmas, you can get your spreadsheets out and your race results and you can <laughs> just lock yourself away and try and find the best 22 drivers in the state um, and, and have some fun with it because, as uh, Paul said, some great prizes to be won. I, I'm officially the ambassador for yes, it. I think, no, it, I think it's just amazing. Crazy. I, just, yeah. I just am in love with it. I'm even going to play fantasy NRL, I think, now because yeah. I've got the bug. Well, um, people were talking about it at Dubbo the other mm. night as well, so yeah. it's good. A little, little tip if you. If you do play around with it over Christmas, you have the champagne breakfast, maybe a glass of red with some plum pudding uh, and, and and finish off with a, with a chase. Maybe 
review your team after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it might be when I do my best work. Yeah. Oh, what do you want about? Definitely. It might be a bit more relaxed. It might, be, it might work better. Yeah. So anyway, as Freddie said, yeah. uh, fantasyharnessracing.com. Look, you can register any time during the season. Don't, don't yeah. think that if you miss January 10, you've missed the boat. But if you want to go after the car and, you know, yeah. those amazing prizes that we said for overall points, well, why wouldn't you want the points that – are going to come around because you're going to be chasing your tail a little bit if you if you miss week one. So, and the best way to get your league set up as well, and yep. you know, and all that is to be good to go. So, uh, at least get in and register a team and lock something away so you're in the comp. You can go back and review. You get unlimited trades up until it starts on the 10th of January, and then each week you're going to get three trades to move people in and out within that salary cap. So. Yeah, people are starting to become a little bit more au fait with how it works and how the points work. And I think we've given enough people time now to sort of get the point scoring system around around their head. When when they look at a race, they can look at a whole race meeting and you know and go, well, well that was ten, that was five, okay, one. They did, yeah. didn't finish top four. What does that score look like? And we're starting to probably get a feel for what a good score is as well. Paul, I, I know we've got to keep this moving along because time's getting away, but I do have to ask you, have you had a lot of feedback from individual drivers about, uh, now why have you priced me at this, but you've priced that person <laughs> at that, and, and I'm better than, have you had any of that yeah, feedback? I did get, yeah, I've had, yeah, I have had a couple of cheeky texts. Yeah, I uh, thought you might have. And um, I won't name anyone. Uh, Jack Callaghan told me he was he was cheap at 1.27, oh. so <laughs> uh, I love it. I love the swagger of the second highest price. Okay, so he's got a new nickname, Tickets. Good on you, Jack. No, it's fantastic. Um, So, yeah, like I said, fantasyharnessracing.com is where you can find it. Get amongst it. All right. Last episode of the year. We thought we might have a little bit of fun. Um, We've got some – look, we haven't got a great deal of structure and formality around it, but we thought we might throw up a few ideas for for some end-of-season awards, I guess. So how about I kick it off with – all right, here's one off the top of my head. The best horse performance with a song reference. Freddie, you got a musical. You got a, yes, you uh, got musical a, reference. Yeah, look, for me, I'm, I've got to go King of Swing. King of Swing, oh, of course, yes. named after Benny Goodman, the, the famous clarinetist. <laughs> now, I don't listen to a lot of clarinet music, <laughs> Thorny. I, I just want you to know <laughs> that. I don't Kenny sit there. Or something? Yeah, no, no clarinets for me. But, but Benny Goodman was known as the King of Swing. And King of Swing, of course, uh, we saw what he did earlier this year in winning him. So he's my musical-themed horse. This one time at band camp. <laughs> That's a flute. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Jess, what's your nomination? Uh, my nomination is Better Be The Best. i seen on the Nathan Turnbull socials that his stable name, I think, is Tupac. So obviously oh. Tupac was an American rapper back in the day, so... That's my musical reference there and we've seen how amazing his talents were over the Breeders' Challenge Carnival and getting that Group 1 win. So I've gone with Better Be The Best or Tupac. Tupac. I like how you used the word was. (laughs) Poor man. Anything off the top Uh, of your head? I I know we we caught you unaware. Yeah, you sprung me on this one. Well, I can't believe that you two didn't reference Tay-Tay. The amount of that we waxed lyrical so much on this show about about Tay-Tay and, you know, coming up with... Like I did at the start of the show with crazy musical crazy lyrical <laughs> references. References. So, yeah, look, um, it's tough to go past King of Swing. Had a bit of a blank space on Tay-Tay. Yeah, a bit of a blank space right now. Yeah, Tough to go past. King of Swing was just a, an incredible story earlier in the year, Thorny. Yeah, he was. He's a great horse. Um, a, a great, good going horse. You know, going forward as a stallion, you know, terrific, terrific pacer and good attitude and, 
and obviously did the job on the track too. So um, there's no reason why he can't uh, do it at stud as well. Yeah. Got another category for us, Freddie? Yeah, I'm going to go race of the year. Okay, what, what's proven to be the race of the year? And, and I make no apology for nominating the carousel final. And yes, uh, full disclosure, I had a small share in a horse who ran third. But the reason I, I highlighted Thorny is out of that race, the first four horses passed the post. You had uh, Port-au-Prince. It won a couple of races after the final. Then you had Tay-Tay went on to win group success uh, and, and, and one of our top mares. Uh, Heaven on High, who's the horse that I have the small share with, uh, uh, who's currently out in the paddock, he won a race subsequent to his carousel placing and then unfazed ran fourth in the race and won a couple of races. So yeah. I thought as a form, ri- a form race uh, and obviously for the excitement having a Group 2 place getter, for me it was the carousel, Jess. Yeah, for me... Um Sticking with the ownership theme here, it was my horse, it's all about me breaking his maiden at start number 51 and I thought it tied in well. It is all about you. (laughs) Thorny's actually got his half-brother who won the Group 3 Tatlow Stakes, so that's a bit of breeding is cool, a 51 start maiden to a two-year-old Group 3 winner. There you go. Yeah, that's right. No, he's he's probably mine. Um, He's probably my best win this year, I suppose. Um, Chicago Gangster, um, you know, he's a pretty exciting horse. Had a few little troubles with his knees, so we had to give him a good spell. But um, hopefully the time we've given him off, he'll come back. He's and back now? Yeah, he's back now. Yeah, just jogging. But um, he, he, we're sort of setting him for the uh, Australian gold in April if if all things go good with him. I thought the Len Smith Mile was a great race this year. Mm. I cast no shadow, sort of bursting through. I thought that was a fantastic race this year. Yep, no yeah. dispute there. What, what else? What, what's another category for us, Jess? Best drive. Me and Fred talked about this before the show and I couldn't go past the drive um, of Noel Hatcher on Jamadi at Penrith back in November. He landed four fronts there from I think about barrier four or five and from there he just kept hugging the fence. The runs eventually came and he got home to salute so I couldn't go past that for my drive of the year. Mm. He was in and out like a fiddler's elbow, wasn't he? <laughs> he come was. in and out. Yeah, no, it was a good drive. It was a good drive. What do you um, got, Fred? I've got a, a, a horse beaten. Um, uh, running second, uh, Majestic Cruiser in the New Zealand Cup. I thought Cam Hart's drive on that was worthy of a, of a, a winning drive. He was buried on pegs, managed to get one off, and then when they all made a three-wide train, I think Krug came up on the outside and they, they started a three-wide train, and Cam was then able to get three-wide with cover. Krug just didn't get past the 400 and carry them into the race, so then Cam had to go five and six-wide. Got beaten narrowly, uh, wasn't wasn't a big winning margin, and, and the extra ground cost him. So I thought, you know, it was just such a good He did everything right, and just a few circumstances didn't go his way, um, which would be frustrating. You've driven in plenty of races, Dave. Um, be frustrating when you think you've pulled, you know, you've, you've buried on pegs. I think he was five back on, on fence and, and slowly worked out three wide with, with a helmet to follow and it, they just didn't carry him into the race. Frustrating. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've even had it worse, so at least he still runs second. I remember <laughs> I drove him and you say, geez, I drove that really good and the horse went terrible, so yeah, yeah. waste of a good drive. <laughs> but, um, you know, at least I suppose he still got something out of it, you yeah, know. True. Uh, if, you, if you had a horse where you've had someone on you thought, gee, they, they did a good job, during the year that oh, you, you yeah, drive? Yeah, yeah. Oh, off the top of my head, I can't really think. But, I mean, there's been plenty of good drives. Probably one that Jack's driven, you know. Like, mm. he he does a lot of that, you know, where they might just take the shortcuts or something, you know, that, you know, a, a, bit, a lot of the good drives, I mean, people leading and winning or sitting parked, everyone can do that. It's and, and, Blake, there's two things, I think, that can make a really good drive in a race that are unexpected is 
from say Barrier Ten, and I, Blake Fitzpatrick does it a lot. He'll he'll chance his arm. He can't lead, but he'll chance his arm and go forward to get one one or something. And it's amazing how many times he does it. Slots it. in, yeah. And the other thing is sort of when you're back in the field and you're in the running line, one out, four back or something like that, and mathematically you can't win and they take the shortcuts and they might not even win the race. They might run second or third or whatever, but to me they're good drives because at the half, actually Chris Geary drove, yeah, Charlie, a couple of starts ago and, and she ran fourth, but she was back last and I sort of said to him, you'll know at the half whether you're a chance depending how hard they go and and turning for home, he was just waiting to see um, if the ones in front of him, how quick they moved. And he said they just didn't move that quick the first 50 metres. So he elected to go through the middle and he just got held up for one stride. But he actually said, I th- if I hadn't have got held up and got a free run, I'd have think I'd have won, you know. And mm. it would have been a terrific drive if he'd have won the race, you know. Yep. Like It was yep. a great drive anyway yep. because he had to take that. He was trying to win the race. Yeah. Coming wide, he was no hope of winning, you know. So to me, they're the good drives, you know, where you, you just sometimes you've got to take a punt because – you can't win when they've gone slow and you come 10 wide. You just can't win. So, yeah, there's there's, there's – look, this is at the top of my head, but there'd be plenty of good drives if you went back and watched them and, you know, that – and they might not have – they might have run fifth, yeah. but you'd say, geez, that was, was a, good a good drive, drive you know. Yeah. I've got an honourable mention for one that ran second <coughs> that uh, was probably the hard luck story of the year. It was better be the best in the two-year-old Colts and oh, yeah. Nathan yeah. Turnbull. What Nathan yeah. Turnbull did to get that horse back in contention and almost win the race was, yeah. was unbelievable that night. And, you know, and that was fantastic that he got to – Come out and win the blue final. Well, he, he wasn't real happy after the race because they thought he. They told him he couldn't go in it. Yeah, they said if you run first or second, you're ineligible for the blue. But then I think they must have realised it was winners only. So yeah. that would have been a shame, you yeah. know, um, to to not win a group one and then you can't go in the next. Can't one. go in the next so, round down. Yeah, but yeah. Well, that's they're they're the preliminaries. We've got the Golden Sulky Award for the right. Sprint Lane Awards. Have we got a drum roll? Uh it's not a roll, but oh. it's something like that. Oh, it's, oh, that's when we tell funny. That's when we're funny, uh, which is not very often. Joke. <laughs> no, that's what, that's what <laughs> we get when the, when the jokes are. I tell a joke, it's the crickets. Um, the Golden Sulky, what, you, we've, you've just mentioned him. He's been mentioned a few times in dispatches on the show. I think the effort this year, this season of Nathan Turnbull is worthy of mention. Uh, Maiden Group 1, he's had his best season with triple figures, a centurion. He's... Been travelling here, there and everywhere, so he's my uh, pick for the Golden Sulky. And just uh, full disclosure, we don't actually have a Golden Sulky to award <laughs> to the winner. We don't, our budget doesn't stretch that far. <laughs> That'd be expensive. We'll pass the hat around at the end of the show and see what we can raise. But no, well done to Nathan Turnbull. I'm just acknowledging what it's uh, uh, been a great season. Yeah. And for me, the Golden Sulky was King of Swing winning his third Miracle Mile. He started the year off on a high there back in March and retired as a three-time Miracle Mile champion. He's in the breeding bud now, but well done to Cobbity, all his owners. He was just an amazing horse to watch on the track. What a night that was, both times. Yeah. <laughs> miracle Miles, <laughs> but for very different reasons. Yeah, it was um, – that was – yeah, that was spine-tingling stuff, watching King of Swing deliver, you know, Create history right in front of our eyes, you know, and and the chance to call it, Freddie, must have been oh, so cool, incredible. And it's one of those things, you know, you, you think you don't think of it at the time, but later on, and you hear replays or you watch replays, and you think, you know, when I'm long gone, and people revere the the great horses that raced in different eras, and it's for all the race callers that have preceded me as well. Your call becomes kind of the soundtrack. You to laid that the memory. soundtrack, yeah. And, and, and like I said, when I'm long gone from this world, 
and uh, you know, someone replays King of Swing winning, it'll be my my voice that's attached to that uh, forever. So that's something. It's a privilege I think all race callers can lay claim to when they call a feature race. So yeah, yeah it was a great moment, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth mentioning, and not whether it falls into the same vein, but the the achievement of some of our drivers at different points of their career over 2022, I think, has been remarkable to watch. You know, we've had several drivers achieve that 100 race, 100 races wins for the season, Mark, in, in all regions across the state. Uh, we've seen career milestones achieved in recent weeks. You know, Grace Pinellas, Gemma Coney's both knocked up 100 wins, and we're going to hear so much more about those two, you know, as their career continues to unfold. Blake Hughes got his 300th winner just the other day. You know, so these young drivers who are just churning out winners, uh, doing great things, and, and are the next generation, you know, of of greats. You know, we, we mentioned Luke McCarthy and mm. you know, what he did with King of Swing. Well, the next generation's on your heels, Luke. You know, and he knows it. And, Blake's and about to become a centurion too. He's sitting on 99 the year. Uh, wins. Yeah. Uh, he's about to, you, know, you just touched on him, he's about to burst into triple figures himself, Blake yep. Hughes. Yeah, been a great year for, for those young up-and-coming drivers. All right, well, we, we should have given out an award for the best black booker of the year, shouldn't we, Jess? Because um, I know you're going to um, lay claim. What are some nominations, Freddie? What are we... Oh, I think Jess's 50-1 to 1 winner at, at the Riverina Paceway has to go uh, very <laughs> close. I think um, Britt Graham had a terrific uh, tip in Vic Sun who came out at massive odds and won a huge, I think it was triple-figure odds, uh, a few starts after she, yep. she tipped it. And uh, obviously Jacko and Sophia and uh, even even uh, Jared uh, was keen on a, a horse or two. Yeah, and came and out and won. Yep. So, and, and let's not forget your favourite horse, oh, Caligula. Caligula. Caligula came out. So there's been a yeah. few. 20 or 30 I think, I think if people are following the, the, the Black Bookers, so again, Thorny, no pressure, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> keep thinking of one. Um, yeah, the, the followers of the Black Bookers have done all right. Yeah, Freddie, all right. don't forget and paint me a reason. You, me you a just reason? skipped over that one there. Oh, that was yeah. your very impressive one. Group three winner at good odds as well yeah, there too. And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Electra's and she finally, even though she didn't draw the barrier, she kept drawing barrier 10. She drew nine the other night <laughs> but still won. So uh, after breezing. I so let's let's do a recap. So Electra, we had a winner during the week. During the week, Electra yep. won on Saturday and so did... Um, Mustang Millie Mustang won at Newcastle Millie. as well. Fantastic. Oh, and Loyalist was one of my very first black bookers. So yeah. And Cam tipped, um, Cam was keen on Major, Major Meister. Meister. Yeah, it, he said he he'll go real close in the Cranbourne Cup. He he didn't let us down. So, yeah. How did you tip? Uh no, I don't tip. No, that's right. Uh-huh. No, I, I don't. I, no, I, smart play. I don't tip. Play. Yeah, I, I I build fantasy games. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank We're going to have to get a proper black book right. tally going next season. I okay, think, next season of the show. A proper head to head. Yeah. So Nick. what have we got this week? What do you got, Jess? This week, I'm heading back down to Wagga. It seems to be one of my favourite places to look for. Guy looks good for Daryl Hillier and Blake Jones at Wagga last Tuesday. It ran second. Made up a stack of ground late and went its final quarter in 27-4. So, Guy looks good. Okay. Keep an eye on that one. Keeping with Thorny's theme about drivers who have to work to try and get their horse into a clear Cassius Dex run on Saturday night. Beaten a nose and a head, stormed home. Isabel Ross was uh, sixth on the turn, had to work around Don Boston, who was tiring, then dive back to the inside. Another two strides, Cassius Deck wins, and uh, it was a, it was some drive to to get it into that position to be vying. Um, I think Cassius Deck uh, is a horse to follow um, 
uh, Steve Turnbull and uh, and Isabel Ross went through the four year old uh, Breeders Challenge series. Cassie's yep. deck. So, Thorny, yep. anything in, in in your? I know you said a lot of your horses are are uh, having a bit of a Christmas break at the moment. Yeah, I haven't got a lot racing. Um, got yeah, Charlie racing today, but um, probably a horse go Jack Ryan. He's quite a nice horse. He just, I haven't been happy with him the last couple of starts, but he's um, he's had a few little issues. So we got him injected uh, last week. So I think he'll be back. Probably the first Metro meeting back Saturday night in a few weeks. So, um, yeah, he could be one to follow because we got him injected before and he really, that's when he sort of hit his purple patch. So um, he just has a few aches and pains. So hopefully we can get him back right again and, um, and and hopefully he's on a good mark where he can be more than competitive. Okay, good stuff. Go Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan's everywhere at the moment. <laughs> Every ad I see on a websites for this Jack Ryan on, it's about to be on Prime Video or something like that, so... It's a TV series. Yeah, I don't mm. know. Jack yeah. Ryan. Mm. Yeah. yeah right, it's yeah. everywhere at the moment. So, all right, good stuff. Well, you'd be, you know, you'd be foolish not to follow what you lot are coughing up on these black bookers <laughs> because you're delivering. Not, you're not just giving people odds on stuff. You know, you're, you're giving them stuff at a price. So, yeah, it's been really good. All right, Thorny. Well, mate, how'd you get into this game? You talked about your driving career. We see you, you know, primarily here as a trainer these days. How did it all start? Yeah, well, it's a fa- family started. Um, my grandfather was a trainer, and and my father was a trainer, so it was always going to happen. Um, I wasn't sort of heavily involved as a kid. Uh, I always used to do the horses and that with dad, but never used to drive. I, dad used to mainly break horses in, so it's hard to learn on yearlings that are uneducated. So I actually I don't know how old I was, but I would have only I would have probably been sixteen or something. I started to go to John and Lizzie Heath's place when they were at um, Clarendon of a weekend and, you know, sort of learn how to drive there. They had a lot of racehorses. So, um, yeah, that's pretty well where it started. Um, but as I said, it was always in my blood. Um, mum and dad made me get an apprenticeship when I left school. So I did a like a carpentry apprenticeship and I was only supposed to have 12 months off after I'd finished. We moved to Menangle sort of the last three or four months of when I was finishing. So um, I was only going to have 12 months off. That was probably 25 years ago, so... Um, yeah, and that's just how how I got into it, and um, yeah, been doing it ever since. So, what do you build half of an angle, or what? No, I don't do any building anymore. <laughs> <laughs> My wife complains I don't even do anything around the house. <laughs> you must be handy on the tools, though. Yeah, I, I did it for a while, um, just handy jobs around. But I'm just that busy now. I mean, I'm a farrier as well, so I don't get a lot of time to you know. If I've got a spare hour, I'll go and show a horse. So. Uh, yeah, no, I don't do it, but, it, but it's always handy to have if something, you never you never know what's going to happen in racing, so um, I've always got that, you know, as a back thing if I need it, but I think I'm probably getting too old now to worry about that, but yeah, so no, that's how, just a family, um, you know, obviously Peter Tritton's my uncle and, and Shane Tritton's my cousin, and um, so it's all back from there, like our grandfather, he was a trainer, he actually went to Macau and trained when they f- introduced trotting over there. So I went over there for about a month when I was only a kid. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty well been in our family forever. Uh, a wise person told me, I remember when I was at uni, you take three three sideward steps to take one forward during your career. So <laughs> there you go, mate. Yeah. Carp- maybe carpentry was one of the sideward steps. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You've had some good horses though, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I've been lucky. Um, I, I just sort of try and concentrate on the young horses. Um, you know, I... Don't just like keep having horses for the sake of training fees or whatever. Because, um, as I said, because I'm a farrier as well, I, I sort of don't rely on it financially. I do to a degree, but 
Um, and if I've got less horses, I can go and shoe more. So there's plenty of horses need shoeing out there. So um, I, you know, I like to give them their chance, get them to the trials and that. But if they're not good enough for here, I don't really want to be travelling too much. Um, you know, ideally, if they can race Tuesday, Saturday at Menangle, that I'd be happy with that. I do go to Penrith on the odd occasion, but um, so I, I sort of, you know, I've probably done all that, you know, travelling around everywhere. So I, I'd rather work a yearling that could be a champion than a horse that's six years old that I know is only going to win a race here and there, you know, um, and, and everyone's different. But so um, to my way of thinking, you know, that's a way to find another good horse, you know. Um, Dad always said if the horse that's in your stable that you know is no good could be replaced by a champion, you know. So it's just that's that's how what I do it. I've got a, I've got a fair few young ones and I don't work a big team, but um, How yeah. many have you got? How many do you work? There's about 11 there at the moment. Yep. I mean, obviously, with Christmas coming, um, sort of cut back a little bit. But we don't really want to get anything above 15. That's mm. more than Comfortable enough. Comfortable number. You know, about 12 is a good number, to be honest. Mm. But it is hard because you've got them crossing over. You know, might have some spelling. So at times you might only have eight horses. Other times you might have 15 or 16, you know. So we can hold about 16 or 17 there if we have to. But, um, yeah, 12 to 15 is a good number. And talking about finding that next possible champion, you've won races at the top level as a trainer like the New South Wales Oaks, numerous Breeders' Challenge finals, but what race do you dare to dream of capturing in your training career? Oh, pro- probably the Inner Dominion or the Miracle Mile. You know, they're the two most people. So heaven on high is being set for Yeah, that. yeah, he's getting ready for that, yeah. So, um, you know. The owner's setting for it. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was big to win the Oaks um, mm. because, like, I've won a lot of Breeders' Challenge races, but they're – Restricted to horses bred, so when you win like an Oaks or a Derby, it's everyone can come, yep, you know. Yep. So that was a good good result, you know. Um, and and we've been going to Bathurst for a lot of years, so to win the three year old Bathurst was really good. But um, yeah, probably like the Grand Circuit races are the ones, you know. It's so hard because it's only a select horses, you know. You you got and they've got to be, you've virtually got to have them right for five or six years, you know, because they just don't come as a two-year-old race in a grand circuit race. So, right. um, yeah, like I said, I, I like the young ones, you know. I like the uncertainty of, you know, you work a year and one day and the next day something different happens, you know. Mm. Um, the old horses that are just going around, you know, you know what you get with them sort of thing. So um, everyone's different. But, that yeah, I, I really like the young ones. When I started calling the harness back in '09, you were driving quite regularly both at Harold Park and, and, and here at Menangle. Um, you obviously have taken a back seat. Is that just by design? You just feel that you, you, you didn't want to drive anymore. You had enough driving. You just focused. You could focus on the training. What was the what was the reason behind stepping away from driving? Probably got a little bit bigger. I mean, I've always been a bigger driver, mm. but um, I, and I don't think it makes as big a difference as a lot of people think with the, pulling a cart. Yep. Especially with these new carts, but um. I just, yeah, I wasn't probably going around as much either because I wasn't working as many horses. Right. And it's just one of them things, the drivers, they drive every day. Yeah. Like, they're just, it's just a second nature to them, you know, making the right decisions. They know the form better than what we do. I mean, I put my drivers on. I might give them a general instruction, I want you to go forward or back. Mm-hmm. But like Jack and that, they know my horse, you know, and just do whatever you reckon, you know. Like, plenty of times I'll just say, you do whatever you reckon, you know, like, because that's the idea of putting them on. What's the good of me putting Jack on telling him how to drive it? So probably more that, I, as I said, I put a little bit of weight on, but also wasn't going around as much. Mm. So I just thought, put the good drives. And the thing is now, 
it's changed a lot here. The way they're racing is it's it's more about how you can get them to run. Some drivers can just get them to run quicker than others, you know, and that's it's becoming more Americanized. Mm-hmm. That's all America is. They're not tactically good drivers. They can just get them to run, you know, better than the next guy, you know, because there's not a lot of tactics involved. If you're driving the best horse, you go and you get the front and you just keep running, you know. But I remember I said to my Uncle Peter in America, like, who's the best driver? And I can't even think of the fella's name. He doesn't drive anymore. But he said he could just get them to run two seconds quicker than any the second best driver. He said he just had that way of getting them to run, you know. And, and you look at it, that's what Cam and Jack and that do now. They just get them to run, you know. So um, I think that's the part where putting a driver on that's driving all the time. And they don't – sometimes I think training and driving can be – you know what the horse has done this week, so then you might drive it a little bit wrong because of that, whereas they just go out there and drive the race, you know. If the horse is not right, you don't start it. But So that can be an advantage too, you know. They don't know what's happened during the week, mm. you know. I mean, obviously, if you tell them, they do, but – um, yeah, like you might be a little bit negative because of something that's something happened that's during happened, the week yeah. that doesn't really worry them, you know, mm. but you're still thinking of that, you know, so. As the trainer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and, I mean, if you've got a lot, I actually probably, I was dry, when I won the premiership here, I had a lot in work and even I was driving then too, but it's actually so much easier when you're not mm. driving, when you've got a big team. Jared Atchin's probably one of the reasons he doesn't drive now because he's got a big team and he's, he's a good driver but it's so much easier to get your training ready if you're not thinking you, – you've also got to do the form as well as get the horse ready. And, mm. you know, when you're really busy on a big night, it's, it's really hard, you know. So, um, I mean, financially it's good driving. It, you know, the, the good drivers make good money, you know. But, um, but, yeah, that's one of the reasons I stopped. A it's horse – sorry, Paul. A horse that you had from young that I just want to hear your thoughts on – and he had a lot of success at group level with up in Queensland, was actually expensive ego. Did you know from day one that he was going to be a superstar? Yeah, I, I sort of – I didn't have him – Adam Baverstock had him originally um, and Ricky Archon actually broke him in, but he had a – he come from the sales and he's got a big lump on the front of his leg and it was a – they told him it was nothing, but it had actually a broken bone in his leg. Yeah. So Ricky broke him in, but he, he had to stop after about two weeks because he – he was lame, you know. Anyway, the vet come out and, and they had to have operation take it out. So then Adam said to me, can you um, give this horse a prep? Because he didn't really do yearlings and that. And I said, yeah, no worries. So, And he's a beautiful natured horse and everything like that. Because I said, oh, Ricky said he might be a little bit of a handful because he's really only had two weeks' work and then he had to have an operation, had three months off, you know. And, um, and I said it to Adam and he goes, oh, he's a lovely natured horse. He'll be right, you know. So anyway, we started working him and I give him six weeks' work and um, the owners come and had a look at him and Adam was there and he worked like 340 for a mile and a half home. He only went 32 his last quarter, but mm. I said he's had eight weeks' work in his life. Like, he shouldn't be able to do that, you know. And um, so we were sort of – because we were behind the eight ball, he was Q-bred. Then Adam, Adam sort of got into a bit of trouble, so um, they were sort of pushing time. He had to come back into work. He'd, Adam had given him a couple of green trials and that and – I think he hit the wheel once and galloped and whatever. And then um, I got him back and we were sort of really, like, making it hard to get ready for the triad race because you've got to win money to get to the top yeah. ten earners for the year. So I said to the owner, we're going to, like, we can't have one thing go wrong, you know, like, and we still might not make it because 
So we got him going, but um, he had a he had a trial. Then he had he might have had two trials, like a week apart. Then he had to race the next week and win. Had to race the next week and win, and then he had to go to Brisbane the next week, if at all. Mm. And um, he he sort of did it both because he was good, you know. So yeah, we did we did know he was pretty good straight away, but um, he and and he just kept like I said for even a nice two year old shouldn't be able to do all that yeah. like four weeks in a row, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, we knew he was pretty good straight away. Yeah. Thorny, you, you mentioned before about times, and I, one thing that sort of intrigues me a little bit is obviously you've you've said you've stepped away from from the driving side of it so that that relinquishes some level of control a little bit there um you, you're in an industry where your your financial freedom and well-being and everything that goes with that you know mind space and all those things are determined by fractions of time out there on track things that you necessarily can't really control how do you go with that vulnerability as a trainer and you know the Everything that goes with that, yeah. Well, that, I sort of pretty good now. Um, I, I remember when I first started driving. That's what Dad said. He couldn't. It was hard not being in control because as soon as you hand the reins over, mm. you've got no control, you know. But um, I, I sort of, I didn't find that too bad, you know. Like my theory is, well, I've done my job now. It's your job, and you put the best drivers on, and if they, if they drive bad, the the owners can whinge to them, you know, sort mm. of thing, you know, as a joke, but. Um, yeah, well, I don't worry about it too much, you know. Obviously, in big races, you might get a little bit nervous, but um, I, I suppose I've been doing it for a while now. I haven't driven for a while. So um, you you just sort of learn to deal with it, you know. As I said, the longer you go, the more you get used to it. It doesn't bother me at all now, you know. I'm actually more relaxed that I know Jack's driving it or I know, you know, Jimmy's driving it or Blake, whoever. I, I trust them that they'll do the job, so... Um, yeah, that's that what it gets down me. to, isn't it? The trust. You, yeah, you, that's you, right. You, you've yeah. trust. You've trusted yourself to have the horse ready to run on that day, and then you trust the people you've engaged to drive. Yeah. To do their job. It's yeah, all down right. to trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And like I said, I'm. I've. That's the way I look at it. I've done my job now, and um, that you now it's their job, you know. And 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 look, drivers are going to drive bad races. Like I very rarely blow up at a drive because I've done it myself. You know, everyone drives bad races. As long as they know they've driven a bad race, you move on, you know, and obviously don't keep making the same mistake, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, mo- mo- most of them are pretty good now. They're very professional and, um, you know, it's probably not as much tactics now either here the way we race. It's get out and run. It's more if you have a little bit of luck, you know, or your horse is good enough to do work or whatever, you know. Back probably 10 years ago, like Harold Park days, it was probably a lot more tactical because you had to work out, do I go now, do I not go, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that's all pretty easy. Mate, we wish you every success. So, as you said, you, you keep going in the hope that you get that grand, that next Grand Circuit champion. So um, one of the real good blokes of racing, isn't he, Freddie? Absolutely. Uh, I've known Thorny for a little while now and uh, 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 just echoing what he said about the juvenile horses, a great record with juveniles. Uh, he's got a great record with uh, former Kiwis too. Oh, and, and as an owner, I mean, you, you had to make a decision. Obviously, you're part of an ownership yeah, group, yeah, but you absolutely. made a decision where your horse goes, and you chose David because of everything that he brings to the table. Essentially, a group of my mates wanted to race a horse with, with Dave, and we approached BPM Bloodstock and, and uh, Brendan Mickeliffe and said, look, you know, we, we want to get a horse with you, but the, the rider is we want Thorny to have it. 
And at that stage, uh, you hadn't trained for, for BPM bloodstock. No. Um, and it ended up, you know, the, the two boys chatted, Brendan and Thorny, and we got heaven on high, and uh, he's had four starts, two wins, a second and a third. So we're, we're thrilled. Um, but, yeah, it was all down to uh, we a few of the mates who, you know, one of the fellas in our ownership group, Grew up with with Dave. Their, their, their fathers were, were were known to each other, and the boys knew each other. And he said, oh, "I want to, I want to have a horse with Thorny." That's where it sort of all manifested from. Was we wanted a horse with Dave, BPM Bloodstock, and Brendan sort of did the deal with uh, with uh, New Zealand to get the horse here, and Thorny's got him. And I don't know that it'll be the last time uh, we have a horse with you because it's been a lot of fun. Thorny's a great communicator. Uh, the horse had a bit of an injury, heaven on high, and he's been out. He hopefully comes back what in another few weeks. Uh, yeah. uh, end of January, um, but but Thorny's communicated with us every step of the way, and communication is king. So uh, yeah, good to have a horse with him, and he's a, he is a, he is one of the good fellas, even if he is sitting next to me. <laughs> Fantastic! All right, well we've got a obviously we're, we're at the tail end of the year, but we've got some some good racing. Uh, eight races this afternoon, Freddie. Yeah, eight races. Uh, Thorny mentioned yeah, Charlie. I gave it a real chance today, but uh, a good good card of racing. Uh, we get to see wave the bill. Will he pace? <laughs> Three-legged all the mm-hmm. way today. There's another bill in that race as well, Celsi bill. So is Self- that a bit Self- of a caller's nightmare <laughs> or no. too professional for that? Oh, yeah. No, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, when I was a greyhound caller back in another life, I, I called a greyhound race at Dapto when there were six river uh, the, 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 the prefix river, uh, and, and you often see in New see Zealand they lot, have a heap you? of yeah, and, and yeah a heap of prefix because they own the sort of the prefix and yeah. their kennel owns the prefix. So, so yeah, two bills won't won't trouble yeah. me too much. You see that in the gallops of the Mashanis or the yeah, oh, that well, race yeah. up in Queensland, yeah, yeah. Mashanis, greyhounds and Mapungas, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah no, anyway. it's a bit easier at the, the trots. Our product, we got Wagga tonight. Yes. Uh, we've got Bathurst on Wednesday, of course, um, Penrith on Thursday, as we always do. We've got Ma- Maitland and Wagga on Friday. We've got Newcastle on Saturday. And and then we've got Bathurst, Dubbo and Leeton on Boxing Day, which, which is huge. And, th- and we kind of move into the New Year's Eve. There's a, there's some really good race meetings, New Year's Eve. Um, see, Bankstown's on Tuesday, but Albury have got a huge New Year's Eve meeting there as well. Um, Parks is on on then as well. So mm. there's some really good sort of regional racing and that – but. It's the racing becomes the centerpiece for a big community event, you know, around yep. Boxing Day and New Year's Eve and that. So, uh, well, Shirley Turnbull uh, yep. race not up at Bathurst is huge. Yep. They they pack the joint out. That's a huge night uh, up there. So and we're going to see great well racing. Is, um, the heat to the inner city pace, yeah, time yeah. on a classic. I know there's always a massive crowd yep. on Maitland, and it's so small that track. It is so exciting. The racing. Yeah, there. I've done a couple yeah. of inner city paces, and I tell you what, they absolutely hang off the fence. It's like mm-hmm. the halcyon days. <laughs> it's like a step back in time. Uh, the first one I did was, oh, gee, probably about seven or eight years ago, and it was just incredible seeing on the turns as far as you could see on the. And it's only a little track. The amount of people there, four or five deep, trying to sort of glance up over the, each other. To, so it was really yeah. good atmosphere. So I know it. Um, so I, I know at at Dubbo on mm. Friday night they were saying, "Oh, you should be in." You know, next week on Boxing yeah. Day, that's be, you won't get a spot here. There'll yeah. be people everywhere, and you know it's a great night. I know at Albury they're super excited about New Year's Eve. Like I said, it's the it's the key community event in town. You know, the fireworks Absolutely. on, and you know they get huge crowds. They do a really good job. Those those volunteers. They're volunteer groups, volunteer committees who roll their sleeves up to put on a great community event and racing becomes part of it. So, you know, great opportunity for people to be involved and keep an eye on it and if you can, get to the track because they do put on a great event. All right, we've had a great year, 14 
episodes we've done. Uh, Jess and Freddie, thank you. Freddie, um, I know you, well, you both had illness through the through the 14 weeks and you've soldiered on and uh, you're we're just troopers True, aren't yeah. we? troopers yeah. and we've and we've you know it's been great it's been great great to talk um you know talk our product and you know it's a, been a new concept that we've rolled out um and i must must you know say that you know jesse you obviously you don't work mondays but you give up your time on mondays to put some prep into the show freddie you're doing this out of the kindness of your heart you know you get here early on a day when you've got a big responsibility to call the races. It's much appreciated that you, you give up your time. And it's not just today. It's the prep that, that you put in, you know, to be ready for it. Same with you, Jess. And then, Thorny, thank you, mate. You're one of 14, you know, great guests that we've managed to roll through the show. I'm going to name David Watson. He actually helped us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah when I was in. sick, he actually From did guest a, He was a guest and then a co-host. Yeah, and I thought came I, in my job that. was in. I was on shaky ground. Yeah, so thank you to Wano. Thank yeah. you to Glenn McElhenney. He was fantastic. He came in and gave some really candid comments around cognitive testing when that was a key issue we needed to talk about. Steph Morris really talked great about the mini trot program. She she put so much time and effort into making sure her kids have got opportunities, but you know, kids out there in the community. Robbie was fantastic talking about what, what they do at Lucky Lodge and that. So Robbie Morris, Blake Fitzpatrick came in and joined us. Sophia Arvison was fantastic. We did it out trackside. Brittany Graham was in town to, for some of the group one meetings. She came in and, and, it was fantastic to hear another side of Brit just outside of the broadcasting, but what she does, you know, and how she preps for racing. Jack Trainer uh, came in a little bit, uh, well, he's a little bit under the weather, but he's <laughs> fantastic he talent. Right. He just he just gone and won himself two Group One, so it was great to have him on. Jackson Painting was in town, and you know was able to give us a, a, a regional perspective. I know, you know, he's he's a, a superstar down in the Riverina, but he's you know, so highly respected and well regarded down there. Chris Geary, I love what Chris talked about. You know the. Even some of the um, the challenges he's had with being itinerant a little bit and border hopping and then having to almost make up ground again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And and that um, Jared was fantastic. Jared Alshin came in, and as Thorny said before, you know that he talked a lot about you know the the um, how it's probably easier that he's not driving mm. now that you become a full time trainer and the challenges. Joshy Gallagher obviously has the the reigning. We got him just as he's on the last <laughs> last day or last his couple final of days. days. Rain is an Inter Dominion champion, but once an Inter Dominion champion, you always are, and so it's great to have Josh. And then obviously we had the man himself, Cameron Hart, who had come out and uh, and just won an Inter Dominion. It was fantastic to have Cam on, and obviously Thorny. It's great, mate, that you've given up your time, and that, that's what everyone's done. They've given up their time. You know, a lot of these drivers, their commitments mightn't be for three or four hours after we asked them to be here in the studio, so they can come and share their stories with you, our audience. But we don't take our audience for granted. We're so super appreciative that people tune in either on the Facebook stream or, or you know, listen to us on their commute in the car or while they're out on property with their headphones in and listen to what we're really trying to do is promote and amplify harness racing in New South Wales. So, yeah, had a lot of fun. It's been good. Thank you. And, Paul, you've been a great host as well. Absolutely. You've been fantastic. And the fantasy game. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's going to be on. Captain, <laughs> Captain Paul. Yeah, well, that's, that's going to be a big a big ticket item for harness racing uh, in general, not just in New South Wales. I think in 2023 we're really excited and, you know, hopefully we, we can bring a lot more eyeballs and, and attention to our product because we've got a great product, got the best product in the world, you know, in our sport, and, and we want to want to be able to expose that and the people involved. So, Jess, you have yourself a great Christmas. Thank you. Same Ready? Did I? Yeah. Yeah. You and your family have a great break. And and Thorny, mate, I I, I hope the horses uh, give you a reprieve, and you're allowed to actually put your feet up for a day. Yeah, well, it actually works out good this year. It's Sunday, so we generally have Sunday off anyway. We don't work them, so 
it'll actually we're going away end of January for a few days, so um, we'll we'll battle away through Christmas and uh, we'll get a break somewhere. Fantastic to everyone out there listening. You have yourself a very very safe. Merry and joyous festive season. Uh, have a great new year. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the socials because we'll let you know when we're coming back in the new year. But uh, we are ourselves going to have a little bit of a break from the podcast. But fantastic fun over 14 episodes. We promise you we'll be back bigger and better in 2023. So have a great break and we'll see you in the new year. Bye-bye.